Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 336 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with a new intro for... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? Thanks for including my uh, new intro. You're very welcome. I know you're a huge Toy Story fan, so, you know, that's uh, a mm. good, appropriate new intro for you. I've got a couple of minifigures right in front of me. Very yeah. cool. So, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Well, I thought I'd try some different streaming services because I've been on Apple for so long. Not that that's a problem, but yeah. we just have so many to keep track of. And it is kind of becoming a, a good problem where you forget to check the other ones. Yes. And see what's on there. So, I was looking around on um, Amazon and was reminded about Upload. Of course, Amazon tried to get me to watch season two first because that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, they show you random seasons of their shows. Yeah. Uh, but I watched I, I watched it, started it, and of course, it's got Robbie Amell, so not Arrow. It, it was also in Flash and the Arrow shows yes. as well. Him as the lead, he sort of like almost dies, gets uploaded, and it becomes kind of a... Immediately, kind of as soon as he starts walking around in this world, I thought of like The Good Place. Yeah. Obviously, because it's, it's got similarities to it, but a different sort of plot and a different sort of way of getting there. You haven't got the sort of morality system going on yeah. and uh, the good and the bad place. It's simply sort of this futuristic tech scenario where like you're about to die because I, from what I understand from the, I've seen the first three episodes, if you actually die, then you can't be uploaded is what I understand. Yeah, and this that changes later. Yeah. It's basically, if you're about to die, you have the option of having your consciousness digitally uploaded to this digital yeah. afterlife. That's mm-hmm. the premise of it. But yeah, I watched three episodes. I thought it was really fun. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, it was great balance between like there's clearly something dodgy going on somewhere with his car crash and stuff but no a lot of really great fun stuff I thought Robbie Amell was really good in the role I've admittedly not seen him in too many things I've seen him in obviously the Arrowverse I mentioned where he was great in that I think he was in like the first season of The Flash and stuff but yes. um, there's not too many things I can remember seeing him in and as I was kind of obviously you know looking at him because he's on the screen I sort of thought like he could one day fit some sort of Robin Nightwing type of role yes he could day. Yeah. yeah, and hey, Warner Brothers, you have Michael Keaton coming back. You could use him as a Batman Beyond, and then use Robbie Amell for Terry McGuinness. But you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's kind of some of the things I was thinking of. Yeah, because you've still got room in like DCEU and that sort of thing to to use other versions. But um, thought it was really good. It's interesting. The first episode was a, almost like double the length of the others, but all the other episodes are about half an hour. Yeah, the one kind of sticking point, or not 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 kind of an annoying thing, just an observation. Um, and I don't think I'm supposed to like this character, but I'd not really getting on with his uh, girlfriend character. Yes, you're not supposed to like the girlfriend (laughs) at all. She's a a horribly vapid, obnoxious, materialistic girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of funny and stuff when she pops up on screen and trying to see the main character try to navigate that relationship, especially in, you know, literally life and death and stuff. And he has his funeral and uh, thought that was quite interestingly well done. The one thing I didn't quite understand, and I feel like I missed the point, why couldn't he buy anything? at the start because the account that he is uploaded to is her account not his so she's sort of in control of his digital afterlife therefore unless she puts money into that account to allow him to buy stuff or his Uh. name's not on it then he can't do anything or buy anything without permission from her and without access from her so that was the sort of basis of it so she's in basically full control of his life at that point which he definitely loves yeah 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. It's one of them relationships you kind of think like you two shouldn't really have yeah. been together. Of course. Uh, but yeah. that's, that's part of the fun, I suppose, which is which is good. But no, I had a really good time. I'm definitely going to continue watching yeah. it when I've got some time and stuff. Not that the episodes take that long, but um, I really, really enjoyed it. So you've seen both seasons of this, yes. haven't you? Yeah, I really, really like it. As I said before, I think it's really interesting that you ended up with two shows about the afterlife from two guys that have worked very closely together because it's Mike Saw that did The Good Place and Greg Daniels that did Upload and both of them worked on Parks and Rec together. So Mm. it's weird that they both ended up doing shows about sort of different versions of the afterlife as one of their next projects. But it's really enjoyable, that show. It's an interesting take on it. It hasn't got the heart and soul that The Good Place has. Mm. It's not quite aiming for that in the same way. No, it's it's much more a sort of straight up comedy driven thing. Mm. But I love the first season. I think it's it's really fun. The second season changes tack a little bit because it becomes a bit more about the, you know, as you can said, you could tell there's something shady going on. And it comes a bit more about that in the second season because the first season is very much about him figuring out this new life and this new world. And the second season, he's got a lot of that organized and mm-hmm. understands how it works. So the second season goes a bit more into the sort of conspiracy stuff. But I really, really enjoyable show. I'm not sure whether it's been renewed for a third season yet, but I'm hopeful it comes back for another one has, because it's really... Has the whole second season gone out? Yes, whole second season is out now as well. Okay, yeah, really enjoyed it. Over on a bit of a darker side, I tried the first episode of Top Boy. Uh, right. This is actually the, actually the 2011 version. I was speaking to a, a friend on Twitter was saying that he'd finished the second season of the new version of Top yes. Boy, which is the Netflix one. He said it was really good and a lot, a lot of the things he talked about, I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch that. I sort of remember Top Boy when I was back in like high school and college and stuff. <laughs> Seen screenshots and clips and stuff of the second season. I was like, oh, this looks like quite high production value. And then I watched the 2011 show and I was like, yeah, this has kind of got the 2011 production value <laughs> right, yeah. behind it. You can kind of tell this show's over 10 years old, which which does knock the quality a little bit. But essentially what Top Boy's about is the London council estate kind of life where there's, you know, knife crime and drug dealings and, and that sort of stuff, which unfortunately is still relevant today. You know, those yeah. things still happen today, which is a big problem in London. But um, it's quite a rough sort of show. And there's some things going on with like the main character's mum and everything. Although it depends who you think the main character is, because there's one that you kind of follow as a younger guy, and he's sort of just trying to navigate his way through like school with his friend and stuff, and something happens to his mum. And then there's sort of the main character of like the gang side of things, mm-hmm. and they do cross over and stuff, and they do meet and have conversations. But it was quite good. I'll definitely continue watching more of it, and I do want to watch both of because there's two seasons of the old version and two seasons of the new version. Yeah. I'm told that they've got like bits of continuity and stuff, so I do want to go through both of them. Them. And given that the shows are both sort of British, they're quite short and everything. So yeah. I enjoyed that. It's because even when the show came out back when I was at high school and college and stuff, I didn't watch much of it then. I remember knowing some friends at the time and they were like, oh, this show's really, really good and stuff. So I'm finally sort of getting around to that. Yeah. Have you seen any of Top Boy at all? I haven't. I have been told it is a very good show. The first two seasons were made by Channel 4 and yeah, yeah. then the second two seasons went on to Netflix. Um, but uh, I think Ashley Walters, Deshane, and uh, Kane Robertson's Gerald are the are the only two characters that are across all four seasons. There is obviously fairly major cast changes when season three or the first Netflix season came around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but some of the characters do cross over as well from those first two to the second two seasons. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I'll continue watching that. And the other show I continued with, I meant to watch the second episode last time I came on, but I yeah. watched the second episode of Foundation. I'm taking my, my time with the show, but this isn't a show that you want to binge watch like three episodes in a row. No. So there's a a lot to take in. But it's really, really good. I thought the second episode improved on, well, not improved on, but continued on the first episode and it was really good. A lot of really big kind of things happening in that second episode. I was very prepared for like, because I remember last time I came on here and spoke about the pilot and you said about how it sort of shifts around in time and stuff and you start noticing that a lot in this episode. So I was like, wait a minute, this is taking place. Okay, this is taking place here and I kind of tried to grasp when things were sort of taking place and that. Because I've said before about like how important it is to structure your show properly and have scenes stitched together that make sense and have an actual flow to them 
and scenes that don't end too early and jump around and cut and stuff. The show does do some of that, but it manages to surprisingly get away with a lot of it because yes. it depends on the amount of attention you're paying, which is obviously something you said to me before. Yes. But I'm sort of like very, very focused with it. And like within a few seconds, maybe of a character talking in a new scene, I was like, okay, this takes place here roughly. Mm. Um, and obviously I'm not supposed to know everything that's going on because I'm supposed to be told the story. But um, like great sci-fi stuff. Uh, there's a bit more of like some action things going on in episode two, which is good. It's really, really well written as well. I was noticing a lot yeah. of the, the quality of the dialogue and stuff, and obviously that goes along with the really good acting and characters. You know, it, it's kind of difficult when when you're trying to get your characters to explain something a bit more complicated, especially like a futuristic show like this. That can be a bit more difficult. But no, the writing is really quite smart in a lot of places, and it's mainly the young version of the lead character in the second episode. She's really good at that role and stuff. So, so, do you remember anything about the, the second episode? Yeah, there is some a little bit of confusion about who that girl is in the second episode because she's not who you think she is. So it's kind of interesting how that has all been stitched together and I mean as you say it is one of those things that I did say before, to you beforehand you really really have to focus on it because they do an excellent job of stitching it together in such a way that you're never mm. entirely sure exactly what's going on but it jumps backwards and forwards in time and particularly when you've got on the sort of flip side of things when you're dealing with the three brothers they're sort of three mm. emperors that run they're really interesting the There's galaxy Yeah, there's three emperors that run the galaxy and they're all clones, but they're cloned at slightly different ages. So it's played by three actors, but they are different versions of them because you meet them. They're always cloned at around about the same age. So you have one that's sort of much younger then you have one that's kind of middle aged and one that's older. So at various points when you meet them, the one that was the middle brother is suddenly now the older brother. And yeah, so that is a little confusing to kind of wrap your head around if you're not Mm -hmm. quite understanding exactly where it is in the timeline because it's very difficult to tell sometimes but that's intentional and it's Mm -hmm. it's written in that way so it could be a very confusing show it's not something that you can sit and play on your phone while you're watching it's something (laughs) you really really have to focus on if you do that you'll miss like half a scene yeah and then something won't make sense like 10 minutes later it's Mm. it's brilliantly written it really is an, a masterclass in kind of tying a story together it's like holding it together very very carefully and still making it work I do think it's a superbly written show mm. yeah no I'm really happy that I'm really enjoying it and I'm not finding myself really lost on anything I mean I have yeah. a few questions about what's going on in some parts of the story but obviously I'm supposed to watch yes, what those intentional. are so, yeah. um, but I've not found myself like lost as to what's going on which is good I mean I like stuck my phone on charge and left it on the side mm-hmm. yesterday so I remember when you were in the process of watching the uh, first season you, you know when you said that some parts of it were thought to be unfilmable is there any like specifics with, with that no I, I think it's just the book as a whole a lot of people had looked at the book and said you can't film this because of the fact that it jumps around so much and it's like right. various points in time and so I don't think there was anything particularly specific but a lot of people that were fans of the book had said well you just couldn't make this into a TV show because it's they said but then they said that about Watchmen as well and they managed to make a a sort of pretty decent film version of it and also then the masterclass of a TV series which I mean didn't directly relate to the book but you know so in skilled hands it is possible to do that sort of thing and I haven't read the foundation the original Isaac Asimov novel so I don't know how close that is but certainly I think they've done a wonderful job with the TV show yeah I've enjoyed it a lot so far looking forward to that Uh, anyway that's what I've been up to how about yourself David still playing through Expeditions Rome which uh, has been quite interesting I've sort of finished the first act bit of it it's quite nice because there's a lot of sort of I mean Expeditions Rome you're basically you're taking over a Roman legion and fighting your way through parts of sort of Asia in the initial campaign but it's an RPG so there are RPG elements to it as well and then when you finish that initial campaign they send you back to Rome and that's all real story stuff of you dealing with your family and you know life around Rome and that sort of thing so I've really really been enjoying that and then the next bit they send you to Africa which is sort of the next part of the combat-y type things so it's a really interesting balance of sort of RPG combat turn-based combat stuff it is and it's got a really good story running 
running through it as well. Going to be a while before I get to the end of that. I think it's quite a large RPG from what I could tell, but um, I don't know how many hours in I'm at the moment. Uh, 45 hours in, apparently, I am at the moment. Very much enjoying that. It's been really, really good so far. So continue and play through that. On the TV side of things, only really one new show I've watched this week, which a friend of mine recommended to me, and um, it's called Pieces of Her. It's a Netflix series, and it's based on a book. It's sort of difficult to talk about without giving too much away, but it stars Tony Collette in the lead role and Bella Heathcote, who, well, arguably Bella Heathcote is actually the lead role. She's It's a mother and daughter, and Bella plays the daughter, and Tony Collette plays the mother. And the opening episode where the daughter appears a bit directionless, she's got a job as a sort of 911 operator in this tiny little town. She's living in this little town because her mother had been sick and when her mother had got better she basically stayed there with her. I went into it not really knowing anything about it other than my friend had said go and watch this it's really good. There is an incident in that opening episode which happens in this diner and suddenly makes you start to question is the mother who she actually says she is just this small town mother or is there something else going on here and it starts to blow up into this much bigger conspiracy and the daughter wants to find out more about what's going on tonally if you like things like ozark I think you would like this show. It's very much in that sort of vein of them being sort of shadowy figures going on behind the background. And of course, we said before that Ozark is tonally quite similar to Breaking Bad as well. So, I mean, it's in that kind of area of uh, storytelling. Hmm. Really solid performances throughout. It's got a storyline which has some really interesting twists and turns to it. It is a sort of thriller conspiracy thing. It's very difficult to tell the direction it's going to go in and they sort of seem to be going one way and then suddenly turns a different direction. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm about six episodes in and there's eight episodes in the series, so I'm I'm getting towards the end of it. But yeah, it's called Pieces of Her. It's on Netflix right now. I would thoroughly recommend it. It is a really solid piece of work and Tony Collette is a fabulous actress. Bella Heathcote, I didn't really know. I mean, she's Australian, so obviously she's been in Neighbours but uh, she's uh, she was in Man in the High Castle as well so I must have seen her before I just didn't really recognise her she was in the second and third seasons of Man in the High Castle she was popped up in Aquafina is Nora from Queens as well and uh, Pride Prejudice and Zombies she was in Fifty Shades Darker apparently as well but uh, there's some other names Uh, Omari Hardwick is in there who's in Army of the Dead and Power as well he plays Ghost in Power and uh, Terry O'Quinn, who you'll know from Lost and also popped up in a Wi-Fi power. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. been in a bunch of other things as well. So he's one of the recurring roles in there. So there are some faces you will recognise definitely in here. Sounds good. Definitely worth watching. In terms of other stuff I've been doing this week, there's been a couple of events. Megacon. Birmingham, which is a new Comic Con event. Went to that yesterday. It was on Saturday and Sunday, but I couldn't get there on Saturday. But I I went there on uh, Sunday and really good little Comic Con event. I mean, Megacon was set up by the guys who originally did MCM. Because if you know the history of the big MCM Comic Cons, MCM Comic Con was set up by these group of guys. They built it into this huge, massive brand and then sold that on to Reed Pop, who are the big Comic Con producers that do New York Comic Con and I think Atlanta as well and a bunch of other places, Emerald City Comic Con they do as well. MCM, after all the pandemic stuff, dropped a couple of the dates off their usual standard tour. So they took Manchester out and they took one of the Birmingham dates out and what the guys that used to own MCM did well said, oh, well, we'll pick those dates up and we'll set up this new con, which is called Megacon. And they took over the dates that were vacated by MCM for Manchester and Birmingham. It's a much smaller con than MCM. It was probably, I don't know, maybe a third of the size, probably closer to a quarter of the size. So, I mean, it's, it was one hall pretty much in the NEC in Birmingham. All the usual sort of stuff that you'd expect to see there, a the bunch of uh, comic book stands, not as many as you've seen in the past but that could be to do with just the fact that it costs a fortune
fortune to drive anywhere at the moment and also that the indie comic book creators maybe are one of the people that suffered quite a lot throughout the pandemic so you know maybe there's a few of them out there I, I don't know but there were a few comic book creators there some artists a bunch of people selling their usual sort of geeky wares that you would get at that sort of comic con guest wise a lot of the usual suspects uh, David Bradley who does a lot of these comic cons who's from Game of Thrones and Harry Potter and Doctor Who Barrowman was there as well you got a bunch of Doctor Who's Paul McGann Colin Baker Peter Davidson Nicola Bryant was there who played Colin Baker's companion Andrew Lee Potts was there Danny John Jules and Robert Llewellyn from Red Dwarf John Reese davis from Lord of the Rings bunch of voice actors from Arcane oh yeah video yeah. game and, and Apex Legends and one of the lead voices from Genshi Impact as well and just Salem so there was a whole bunch of different people but a lot of them are the type of people that you, you know are usually the sort of second tier guests that you see at most comic cons that are out there so decent enough if you wanted to go and meet those sort of people it was a reasonably well organised event there was a lot of cosplay around I've got some photos which we're going up soon onto the Instagram feed didn't manage to get any videos of any of the interviews at this particular event they did do some stage stuff with i think barrowman did stage thing on saturday and they did interviews with david bradley and colin baker and the doctor who's in the red dwarf guys and all that sort of stuff so there was some good decent panels with the guys that they had there it was just the guest list wasn't quite as big as maybe you would expect from like an mcm event but i wasn't really expecting that from this because it is the first time they've done it and it is a new event but uh, certainly I'll be one I will be watching with interest and seeing how it grows they do this and they do Manchester and presumably they'll come back and do Birmingham again as well next year so um, definitely one to watch out for but if you're looking for a Comic Con event Megacon Live certainly one worth going to check out there is one other thing that happened last night as well which we probably should talk a little bit about the Oscars <laughs> anything interesting happened at the Oscars you can think of yeah I think, I think something might have been trending on Twitter for, <laughs> for a good amount of time yeah yeah I, I'm sure a lot of you realised there was an incident at the Oscars last night where essentially what happened was Chris Rock came out to introduce the documentaries category and you know I mean he's Chris Rock he comes out he makes a few jokes and one of the jokes he made was about Jada Pinkett Smith Will's wife and it was an off-the-cuff remark that he made about looking forward to seeing you in G.I. Jane 2 and this remark was made because of the fact that Jada has no hair or she has a shaved head and of course if you've ever seen the movie G.I. Jane which Jada wasn't in it was Demi Moore in the lead role of that and she shaved all her hair off for it because it was about a woman in the army Um, so that's what the joke was referenced to the problem is and the reason I think Will took most offence to it Jada was obviously visibly upset about the gag and Jada has alopecia which means that her hair is falling out and it's due to an autoimmune issue so it was kind of a dick joke for Chris Rock to make and it was interesting because I went and sort of watched it on TV this morning and Will had initially kind of laughed at the joke. He actually won Best Actor later and made an apology not to Chris Rock but made an apology to the Academy and was sort of saying, you know, I understand that people will make remarks and things and you're supposed to smile through them and that sort of stuff. So I think that's probably he was kind of trying to take it in the sort of jokey spirit but I think he then looked over at Jada. Jada was visibly upset by it. Will then gets up and open hand slaps Chris Rock who is on the stage across the face and then sits back down again and basically shouts at him keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth and it looked initially when it first happened like it was part of a skit but when Will shouted that and it was actually using expletives in it which is not something you do on an Oscar broadcast that goes out at like 8pm on a main network in the US mm-hmm. became very apparent that it wasn't a skit and he was genuinely upset 
by it. So that happened. Chris Rock actually powered through it pretty well. And I mean, you could tell he was visibly shaken by it, but got through it and got to the presenting the award. As I say, it was kind of a dick joke for Chris Rock to make. He may not have been aware that that was the reason why Jada lost his hair. I mean, I give him the benefit of the doubt of that. I don't know because, I mean, he has apparently mentioned it, but I wasn't aware of it until this all happened. So he may not have been. I may just thought, oh, she shaved her head. But equally, Will shouldn't have got up and smacked the guy on live TV. So, yeah, it's an odd one, particularly if you watch the broadcasters. There's sort of, yeah, a lot of people going, oh, you know, violence shouldn't be celebrated. And literally after they presented the award for the documentary, it's like, here's a celebration of 50 years of The Godfather. <laughs> you know, it's just like one of the most violent movies. Right. You know, yeah. it's just, totally, it seems a bit weird. But yeah, it, it was just, it was very odd. Uh, I'm sure the producers of the Oscars were very happy because the amount of eyeballs that that's got on it, the amount of stuff that was trending, I mean, not for the right reasons, but I mean, it's press coverage for the Oscars. So yeah, any thoughts? Um, well, Chris, is clearly in the wrong I mean because most of the time the presenters have been like comedians I know that Ricky Gervais has like um, hosted some stuff and he's you know made speeches and stuff but I don't remember Ricky saying anything close to something like this I mean he's made like big speeches before but nothing that would like I don't know I mean Ricky's Ricky's jokes have been very close to the knuckle I'm not sure that Ricky would have made I don't think he would have said that no had if he had known that that was the reason that she hadn't got any hair I'm not convinced Ricky would necessarily have made that joke because you're joking mm-hmm. about an illness I mean imagine if it wasn't an autoimmune disease and alopecia and she'd lost her hair because of cancer you would never make that joke so mm-hmm. it wasn't really appropriate but like I say I don't know whether whether Chris knew that was the reason she, she'd shaved her head so yeah. I you know I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt of that but I mean I, I don't advocate for like obviously violence and stuff but I don't really blame Will for mm. having a human reaction and flipping out and, and kind of slapping him like yeah. that's just that those things just happen sometimes I'm not saying Will was right or wrong to do that but it's kind of an understandable reaction mm-hmm. but like if you're going to be on an Oscar stage and you're going to make a joke which might offend somebody just try and come up with first of all a better joke because it wasn't even remotely funny at all mm-hmm. obviously it was kind of offensive but just make a normal joke and then just present the award I mean it's obviously trying to make a joke as a way of like getting the crowd up kind of thing and then presenting the award because otherwise if if a com- if you put a comedian on a stage like that and they just present an award and that's it, and you'd think, oh, that was a bit like bland, Flat. maybe. Yeah. Just make a joke that is just better and you know more, yeah. more just better in every way, shape and form. I suppose it's certainly had a lot of people talking. I suppose, but um, you know, Chris is definitely in the wrong here. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's as I say, I don't know whether he knew, but yeah. Once you kind of know why she shaved her head, it was a very poor taste joke, really. But as I say, I don't know whether he knew that was the reason. Whether he just seen her and thought, oh, she shaved her head. This is a funny gag. I don't know. That was kind of the major incident at the awards this year and he then goes on to win for King Richard that's sort of quite interesting because he made an apology to the Academy it was sort of like I hope the Academy invites me back he also makes a point about something along the lines of I want to be a, a advocate for peace as well which is people go that's a weird thing to say after you just slap somebody but I, I kind of get that I think Will was regretting what he did and was saying mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't have reacted like that but, but he didn't know, disturb the piece Chris did well yeah so you know yeah interesting it's slightly strange night particularly watching the awards straight after that Sean Puffy Coops came up afterwards and was like quite sweet sort of going you know we'll get you in a room and we'll sort it out afterwards you know (laughs) but here's the next award sort of thing that aside onto the actual winners of the awards this year uh, Coda won best picture it's on Apple isn't it I believe so yeah so that so that won best picture Andrea DeBose won for West Side Story for supporting actress Cruella won Best Costume Design. June did really well, actually. June picked up six awards, a lot of them technical, but, I mean, it was uh, Best Sound, Best Original Score. Well, yeah, Best Sound, Best Original Score, Best Film Editing, Cinematography, Production Design, Visual Effects as well so yeah I mean that did really well Will Smith as I said won for Best Actor Jessica Chastain won for Best Actress Jane Campion won for Best Director No Time to Die won for Best Original Song beating out Encanto which which is impressive considering that's all over the place Encanto did win Best Animated Feature I, I think as you would probably expect 
It was up against Luca, which was the other sort of when Ray and the Last Dragon, the Mitchells versus the Machines and Flea. I haven't watched Encanto yet. Have you seen Luca as well? Because I you've watched Encanto, haven't you? I think. Yeah, Luca's a better film. So <laughs> there, there um, you go. <laughs> I wasn't like massively impressed by Encanto. I thought it was good, but I thought Luca was a lot better. What did you say? The other one was Raya. Raya and the Last Dragon and um, the Mitchells yeah, versus the Machines. Actually- I thought the Raya film was actually kind of bad, but um, no, Luca was the one I would have chosen out of out of that. And Kanto's still pretty good. Obviously, it's got the "Don't Talk About Bruno" song, yes. which one of the teachers at the school that I clean out was talking to another one of the teachers about that the other day. She said, like, "Oh, my kids put it on like again," and it because <laughs> yeah, of the film and stuff. Amy Schumer did make a joke about the fact that she had a three-year-old, so she hasn't seen any of the films this year. She's just seen Encanto 150 times. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that that seems to be for people with young kids that seems to be the case which is exactly what happened with Frozen in 2013 well exactly yes don't let it uh, we'll let it go that's true let's just say June definitely the overall winner of the awards but uh, yes Eventful Night oh yeah Kenneth Branagh won for uh, Best Original Screenplay for Belfast as well which was nice to see because I know that's a very personal story to him interesting certainly awards last night if you want to see any of the clips around the Will Smith incident yeah all over the place uh, go and check Twitter again the BBC has it on their website as well so I mean the clips are all over the place if you want to kind of read a bit more about exactly what happened there but uh, mm-hmm. yeah interesting to see where that goes over the next few days but that's all the stuff we've been doing this week moving on to some TV and film news <laughs> 
what they are getting rid of because uh, the problem was they have obviously have to renew some shows because they do still have the channel if they do sell the channel they are still going to be supplying shows to the cw as well but there are going to be other contractual things in there so presumably they can run stuff on hbo max as well as running it on the cw i suspect there's there's some maneuvering going on regarding all that background stuff they've been a little more cautious so it usually they were renewing january february and it's been march this year and that is why we've only had those shows and not absolutely everything we still don't know about legends batwoman dynasty charmed and legacies yet but that doesn't mean they won't get renewed it's just they're maybe a little bit more on the bubble than the other stuff was strange for so many cw shows to be on the bubble yeah um especially kind of some of the dc stuff which almost automatically gets renewed yeah Um, it is a little odd this year as i say they are being a lot more cautious than they would usually be because of the fact that there is this potential sale happening of the channel so we'll see moving forward but hopefully we get renews i I would like to see a renewal for legends batwoman i can kind of take it or leave it uh dynasty i haven't watched charmed i wasn't a huge fan of that reboot but i know some people really like it and legacies of course is the vampire diaries spin-off third spin-off thing thing. so um that i haven't watched because it hasn't dead over here at all so there are some other shows on the cw like stargirl which third season of that has been made but hasn't yet to air fourth season of a thing called in the dark which has never aired over here roswell new mexico was already renewed for a fourth season after the third season premiered last year the other thing they haven't renewed are all the new shows that launched last year so that's 4400 Naomi All American Homecoming which is a spin-off from All American they haven't renewed any of those yet but that's possibly going to be done in a separate batch because they're all first season shows so we'll see so they have still got quite a lot of stuff outstanding on the CW in terms of renewals but Stargirl missing isn't a surprise because the next season hasn't aired same with Roswell New Mexico because we knew that Mm -hmm. was already renewed we'll see as we get closer to May which is the traditional bloodbath that we talk about every year we'll see as we get a little bit closer to that but um, they've got sort of a month to make some announcements one way or another for those shows the BBC also had quite a big renewal as well they announced last week that four of their big dramas have been renewed the tourist the responder vigil and time the tourist which is the jamie dornan thing which i hadn't actually seen i have watched the other three Uh, the responder was the martin freeman police drama set in liverpool which i thought the first season of that was really good vigil was the one about the murder on the submarine and the submarine was called vigil so presumably the second season isn't going to be a about a murder on a submarine. Presumably it's going to be about the police characters, I would have thought. We'll see where they go with the second season of that, but that, although it's still called Vigil, I presume it's going to be set somewhere else entirely. And uh, Time, that was the Stephen Graham and Sean Bean series set in a prison where Stephen Graham plays the prison prison guard and uh, Sean Bean played the prisoner. Second season Mm -hmm. of that is going to be a bit more anthology because that was sort of a self-contained story. So the second season is going to be set in a female prison. It'll have a completely different cast but it will be about life in a prison again. So that's going to be more of a kind of anthology thing, whereas Responder, Vigil and Tourist are going to be straight continuations, I think. Good, solid drama coming out of the BBC at the moment. They're making some decent... I mean, the BBC always makes decent drama, but uh, I don't know. Did you catch any of those? Nope, I've not watched any of those. I did have potentially the interest to watch The Tourist because I do like Jamie Dornan. He was very good in um, The Fall, which mm. was had uh, Gillian Anderson on the BBC and stuff. That was a really, really good show. Probably one of the BBC his best shows to be honest but just haven't got around to clicking on the thing yet yeah Responder was very solid show uh, Vigil was really good and Time was really good so um, as I say I've not watched The Tourist yet it is one of the things that's on my long list of stuff to catch up with yep. in terms of pickups and other news Star Trek Prodigy which was the animated series has finally got a UK date that is coming to Nickelodeon in April they didn't announce the date when they originally said it was coming in April but I think it's they've now said it's April 25th I could be wrong about that but i think that's what they're saying so where uh, that will be coming to nickelodeon the reason it's on nickelodeon is because of the fact that nickelodeon co-produced it with paramount plus so i think it right. goes on paramount 
Plus and Nickelodeon in the US. So Nickelodeon are getting it in the UK and presumably it will be on Paramount Plus when that eventually launches over here. That's got Janeway in it. Well, sort of. It's, it's got an animated version of Janeway in it. And it's about a bunch of kids that find a Starfleet ship. So it's sort of a fun animated kids adventure thing. That is. Mm. But, um, that looks like it could be quite good fun. But that's Star Trek Prodigy. Sky have picked up the true crime limited series The Staircase starring Colin Firth and Tony Collette. That's going to be premiering in spring on Sky and now. They haven't said which channel, but it sounds very Sky Atlantic to me. It is a mm-hmm. HBO Max series, I think, in the US, so it would make sense if it's probably Sky Atlantic. You may be aware of the story because there was a Netflix documentary which was also called The Staircase, which was following the actual real life, but this is a drama version of that. It further explores the life of Michael Peterson and his sprawling North Carolina family and the suspicious death of his wife, Kathleen Peterson. If you remember the documentary, she was found dead at the bottom of a staircase, hence Mm -hmm. the reason why it's called The Staircase. And he was blamed for that murder and it becomes a very long, drawn-out saga about whether he actually did it or not. The documentary was fascinating and I'll be interested to see what they do with a sort of drama version of it. Yeah, and I remember when that came out on Netflix, a lot of people were talking about it. It's interesting because the Joe versus Carol thing on Peacock, which is obviously also sort of a drama based on a Netflix documentary, although, I mean, technically, I think they're both based on podcasts originally, but I struggled with the Joe versus Carol thing. I think because the characters are so crazy in real life, making a comedy drama thing about it didn't really work for me because it's so ridiculous in real life. It's very difficult to make something that works as a drama that can sort of overshadow the real events. Whereas with this, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. And um, surprise, very quick turnaround. Only Murders in the Building season two. That's getting a premiere on the 28th of June on Disney Plus in the UK and Hulu in the US for its second season. I loved the first season of this, but it's only nine months ago when they launched it. So they've turned that that around. They've turned that around really, really fast. Although I think part of the reason for that is obviously, as the title suggests, it is all based really in one building. So it's all standing sets. So there's very little that takes place like outside of that building. So they've kind of write the script and then all the sets and everything is already built and already there. So I guess that shortens your lead time quite a lot. Presumably that's how they managed to turn it around so quick. But yeah, that's... uh, it was about nine months ago when the first season ran. So I'm very happy to see that back because the first season was wonderful and really, really enjoyable. That will be back 28th of June. That returns on Disney Plus and Hulu. On to some other bigger stories. Uh, Roku Channel have ordered a new comedy, which is called Slip from Zoe Lister-Jones. It's a seven episode scripted comedy created and written by Zoe Lister-Jones, who also stars in and directs it. So basically a one band or one woman band. It tells the story of Mae Cannon, who is a 30-something that finds herself restless inside a marriage that totally works. The series follows Mae through a fantastical journey of parallel universes as she enters new relationships, trying to find a way back to her partner, ultimately herself. It basically sounds like a sort of romance version of Quantum Leap, which is a really interesting, Uh slightly strange idea, or sliding doors kind of mashed in with a sort of, I don't know, Quantum leap be sort of idea. I, yeah, I really intriguing thing with this I don't really know Zoe Lister-Jones at all she's worked on something called How It End and Disappointment Boulevard she also wrote directed and produced The Craft Legacy which I I didn't see either but yeah I mean good honour for landing this it's nice to see Raku coming up with original stuff as well so uh, this could be one worth checking out Uh, Raku channel for those of you that don't realise is if you've got Sky you have the Raku channel it's an app that is on with like you know all the apple tv and netflix apps it's in there so uh, you can get the rocky channel on there 
which is uh, worth going to check through because they have got some interesting content on there, but they've now started making original stuff and this will be one of them and it's called Slip. So Mm -hmm. uh, any interest in this? Sounds kind of interesting. We'll see what a trailer looks like. That will give us a a good idea. It's interesting to see what Roku are going to be able to do. Obviously, the competition in uh, the streaming world is quite fierce. Of course, one of the advantages they've got is instead of saying like, hey, give us five or ten dollars a month for another thing, it's free. So that's really, really good. So we'll see what they can come up with obviously they kind of adopted i suppose all the um quibby content they did the zoe's uh, christmas thing which is yeah. which was great hopefully they can continue that obviously one day mm-hmm. but yeah we'll see what they can come up with with the actual original stuff as well because there is actually quite a lot on that platform so yeah we'll see what they can what this is ends up being like yeah i mean that is the thing it is free it's one of those things that if you're looking for something and thinking oh, i can't find anything to watch it's worth going to have a look through the rocky channel because there is a lot of older content on there as well which is you know box sets and that sort of stuff that you Mm -hmm. may find something that's on the rocky channel which you haven't watched or is sort of an older box set you might watch but there is some original stuff on there and the quibi content i mean quibi as a platform wasn't great the content was really good and they Mm. have renewed some of that content as well there are new series coming for those not all of them but they have renewed some of the shows that were originally quibi shows so worth keeping an eye on the rocky channel and of course like you said the zoe's christmas special was on there as well so Mm -hmm. um, definitely worth keeping an eye on that's called Slip, and uh, don't know when that's going to get released, but that's a seven-episode scripted comedy they've commissioned. On to some bits of casting news. Interview with the Vampire, which is the new AMC big franchise that they paid a fortune for from uh, Anne Rice. It's based on the Anne Rice novels, and they bought the Vampire Chronicles stuff, and they also bought the Mayfair Witches, which is the sort of interconnected witch books. And they bought the whole lot from Anne Rice before she sadly passed away, and her son Christopher is involved in the TV series as well. If you're unfamiliar with the novels, the Vampire Chronicles is 11 books They start off with a character called Louis, who is an 18th century French colonial aristocrat who is turned into what I always describe as the world's whiniest vampire by the extremely charismatic Lestat. The book series continues, it focuses more on Lestat because Lestat is just far more interesting as a character. They've announced some more casting for that show. They've announced Eric Bordstein who is going to be playing a character called Daniel Malloy who is an investigative journalist nearing the end of his career who's given a second chance at an interview of a lifetime. In the books he's the interviewer in Interview with the Vampire. If you're aware of the movie version which had Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in it, I think Christian Slater played the interviewer in that so it was a much younger character um eric's a lot older but i think that's a sort of interesting way of setting it up i can't remember whether it actually mentioned the age of the character in the books or not but basically the interviewer is sort of interviewing louis and he's recounting the story of how he met Lestat and got turned into a vampire. Eric Bornstein's probably best known for talk radio. He's the really big thing that he did, which he he was sort of a novelist, playwright and actor and starred in the film version of it as well, as well as doing that on stage. Been in a load of other things. He billions, he was in quite recently in succession of the two other things that he's popped up in fairly recently as well. You've also got Jacob Anderson from Game of Thrones is playing Louis in the TV show. Sam Reed from Lamb of God and Hunting is playing Lestat. Bailey Bass, who's in the Avatar sequels, is playing Claudia, who's the young girl. And Asad Zaman, who is from Apple Yard, is playing Rashid, if you know any of those characters from the books. So this has got a pretty good producer behind it. It's executive produced by Mark Johnson, who was involved in Breaking Bad and Medical Soul, Halt and Catch Fire, Rectify. Creator and showrunner is Rollin Jones, who was involved in Friday Night Lights and Perry Mason. And Christopher Rice, who's the son of Anne Rice and the overseer of her work at this point, is also involved in it. It's a really interesting group of people they've pulled together for it. I think the Casting's been really good. They're kind of setting this up as being something which could run alongside Walking Dead. So they've got zombies, vampires and witches all on the same channel, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, because they are prepping this, I think, as something that they're hoping is going to be as big as the Walking Dead franchise. I'm not quite sure how it could be because Walking Dead's got quite a sort of massive following. Mm. And obviously not not just because of the characters, but also because of the actors, you know. People really like Norman and Andrew and Melissa and all the other people. That's where Walker Stalker con 
comes from. Not that that's around anymore, but you know, that's what that's for. But yeah, I suppose because like with Walking Dead, you can kind of, hey, let's take a couple of these characters and spin it off, as we've seen with a few of the shows they're going to be doing. Walking Dead's a very flexible IP. Yeah. Whereas with something like Mad Men, Breaking Bad, unless you're doing like prequels, obviously with Better Call Saul, you can't really sort of do loads of things with Breaking Bad. Whereas with Walking Dead, you kind of can because you can sort of say, hey, let's stick these characters in a city with zombies and to tell a story yeah. there. So I think for AMC, it's interesting because they're going to lose Better Call Saul this year because it's going to finish. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many more films and series they can do. Obviously, you had the one with Jesse. I can't remember the name of it at the moment. Uh, d- but, yes, uh, uh, Al Camino. Yes. That's it. Yeah, the car. They had that. But Mad Men finished a while ago. Obviously, that was a big thing for AMC. Walking Dead's really big. So it's time for them to probably do some new stuff because they had things like Holt and Catch Fire, which ended, and Hell on Wheels. I don't know how many people watched that. That's kind yeah, of that, that was a great show as well. Yeah. Uh, Into the Badlands, which finished. So they, they've lost quite a lot of shows, some because they got rid of them and some because they just naturally ended because you can't just keep doing like 10, 15 seasons of Breaking Bad. But uh, interesting to see what they do with this. Like you said, they've kind of got zombies and and vampires and stuff so I doubt in the future they could ask Kirkman to adapt something else no Uh, no because you know there's a whole lawsuit thing going on so they'll have to just look elsewhere I mean Invincible already went to Amazon didn't it yeah we'll see what they can what they can do I mean they have got a bunch of scripted series ordered I mean none of them are quite as big in franchise terms as the Vampire Chronicle books I mean I know what you're saying about The Walking Dead and The Walking Dead like you say does have the advantage that there is one series of books and then they've come up with a bunch of spin-offs to be able to kind of take characters and move them around and stuff. With Vampire Chronicles and the Mayfair Witches, there is some crossover between those and they are making shows for Mayfair Witches and for the Vampire Chronicles. So it is already kind of quite a big franchise and those books are huge bestsellers. So there is a lot of potential there to make it quite big, but you are restricted, I think, a lot more in sticking to the words on the page I think with those I mean they'll they'll mm. tweet them to make it work for TV but you don't have quite the amount of flexibility of going oh those characters are popular let's spin that off into something else I don't think you've got as much flexibility to do that but there is enough for them to be able to get 10, 11 seasons out of this without any problem at all. So even if they don't do a bunch of spin-offs, they've already got Mayfair Witches show, Vampire show, and they can potentially do 11 seasons of a Vampire show with just the work that's already there. So... Mm. There is a lot to work with and potential to build this into quite a big thing. And every show has to start somewhere. Like you say, the actors are very popular in The Walking Dead, but there's nothing to say that if this show hits with people, the actors in this show will become huge stars yeah. as well. So, I mean, I think there is potential there and I think it was a solid buy for them. As I say, they have got a bunch of other new shows. There's got some sci-fi things coming up as well and there's a Spanish language thing and you know other bits and pieces as well, the legal drama and thrillers and things so they're not sitting back and not making anything and sometimes when you make a show as well you don't know that it is going to be a big hit I mean look at Breaking Bad (laughs) you know I I think that took everybody by surprise difficult to tell sometimes but I think certainly this is a fair bet that there are a lot of fans around for the Interview with the Vampire books so if they get this right it could be a huge huge franchise for them Mm -hmm. moving on to another bit of casting we've got a bit more about the Gotham Knights pilot which is the CW thing that they're making this is the series which is set in the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder where his rebellious adopted son forges an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they are all framed for killing the Cape Crusader and as the city's most wanted criminals this renegade band of misfits must fight to clear their names but in a Gotham with no dark night to protect it the city descends into the most dangerous it's ever been however hope comes from the most unexpected of places as the team of mismatched fugitives will become the next generation of saviors known as the Gotham Knights. So that's the setup for it. The first big bit of casting that came out for it, they had some other casting as well. Misha Collins, who of course everybody knows as the actor from Supernatural, played Castiel 
is going to be playing Harvey Dent in this, who, of course, is Two-Face, which I can see. I mean, yeah. I think he's a really, really good choice for that. If you've ever seen Castiel where he turns slightly evil, I, he does that duality thing very, very well. He did post on Twitter saying, I've asked if my version of the character could be wearing a beige trench coat over the grey suit. I'm just not sure I'd be comfortable in front of a camera with that one, which I mm. thought was quite fun. But I really like that bit of casting. I think that's really good. We don't know how big Harvey Dent's role is going to be in this because as it sort of says it's about the main characters or are the sort of kids of those villains and some of the heroes so i don't know whether he's going to be a recurring role or whether he's going to be like the main villain or, or what we don't know at the moment and it is only a pilot right now so you know it's not like the whole series but we'll see harvey dent is an interesting person to pick up because everybody knows obviously he's two-faced but he mm-hmm. has also been a protector of gotham and i don't know what they're going to use as the background for the character but there was a point in the comic books after the batman hush storyline where harvey dent under goes plastic surgery and removes the scarring off his face and that essentially eradicates the two-faced personality and he's even trusted by batman to become the protector of gotham during the events of the uh, there's a brilliant run called 52 where superman batman and wonder woman basically disappear for a year and when batman goes off he leaves harvey dent as the protector of gotham Uh but when batman comes back dent basically feels like he's been pushed out and doesn't really have a purpose and resorts back to his own race and re-scars his face and becomes Two-Face again. So Harvey's an interesting character because of that duality. So I've, I've been intrigued to see what they do. with. It's interesting. I remember when I was on, I think last time when we were talking about the Penguin show getting picked up and yeah. I just said like, Colin's great in the role, but I'm just not really interested in Penguin. But this I'm actually more interested in because I'm interested in seeing Two-Face again and seeing what they do with the Harvey Dent stuff and the dual personality kind of stuff that's there. So maybe surprisingly, I'm actually more interested in this than the Penguin show. <laughs> Yeah. So um, plus you've got other characters, you know, you've got the Bat Family characters in here. So there's there's just more, I feel, on offer that I like in this as opposed to what Penguin Show is doing. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it works out, but yeah. Yeah, I'm slightly nervous that this has been picked as a CW show. That is the one sticking point, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel if it was a HBO Max show, I'd be more excited for it because it could be darker, but we'll... Mm-hmm have to better see production what value. yeah and better production value we'll have to see what they do with it they have announced some other bits of cast which we were announced a while ago but uh, Fallon Smythe who was in Grownish is playing Harper Rowe who is a character from the comic book Streetwise acerbic often underestimated the blue haired bisexual is a gifted engineer who can fix anything but what Harper wants most of all is to repair the broken lives of her and her brother Cullen the only person she trusts Tyler Deshara who was in something called Relish and the Virgin of Highland Park is playing Cullen. After years of hiding his true self from his abusive parents, the transgender teen is tired of being polite and agreeable. Clever and adept at reading human nature, Cullen is ready to fight his own battles. Both characters have appeared as Batman allies in the comic books. So those are comic book characters and reasonably true depictions of those comic book characters as well. Navia Robertson, who's in Raven's Home, is playing Carrie Kelly, which is an interesting pickup. That was a character that first appeared as the Robin in the Batman Dark Knight returns Frank Miller novels although the character has then re-emerged pushed into the main DC continuity as well so the Dark Knight Returns things were very much out of continuity whereas they then decided they were going to introduce that character into continuity which was I think part of the New 52 run and the DC rebirth so that character has been around now but she's described as fearless idealistic and plucky as hell Carrie talked her way into being Batman's unlikely side kick if there was a burning building or a person in need she's the first to run in just as long as she's home for curfew this will be the first time that Carrie Kelly has appeared as a character in live action you've got Olivia Rose Keegan who was in the stupidly named High School Musical the musical the series she played Lily in that she's playing Dula Dent who as you would guess from the name is I think daughter of Harvey Dent abrasive unpredictable little unhinged Dula is above all a survivor born in Arkham Asylum and abandoned by her father the most dangerous nine in Gotham, Doula's forged herself into a brutal fighter and skilled thief. The character has appeared played by a different actress in Batwoman, but this is going to be a different version of it. The weirdest one is Oscar Morgan, who I assume is a Brit actor because he appeared in Warren and appeared in the episode of Death in Paradise. So I'm guessing he's British. He's playing a character called Turner Hayes. And then it goes on to say, despite the murder of his biological parents, Turner remains resilient and driven to live up to his billionaire's 
adopted father's name. While charming and soulful, Turner has never quite felt comfortable in this world of wealth and privilege. So that appears to be the adopted son that they're talking about, rather than any of the other characters. Like, there are a whole bunch of Robins you could pick from, but they've decided to make one up for the TV show, because that isn't a character that is in the books anywhere. So that seems like a really odd decision Mm. to me, unless they're using that name to obfuscate for somebody else. That seems like a really bizarre choice to me. I mean, I know they did it with Batwoman, but they sort of did that out of necessity because, you know, the lead actress changed. But it seems like a really weird choice to do it for this when Mm. you could have just taken the adopted out and used Damien or you could have used another version of Nightwing or you could have used Tim Drake who hasn't really been used. I mean, we've seen him in Titans, but he hasn't really been used yet. Or Red Hood, who would be the obvious one to use. So it's a little weird that that's where Mm. they've gone with this. I wonder if it's because they've used so many of them in Titans and they want to use something else. Yeah, Because Warner Brothers, apart from the Flash, Warner Brothers doesn't really like using the same character in different places. Mm. Well, you could say Superman, but Henry Cavill hasn't been on screen for so long. Yeah. But obviously you've got Tyler in the in the TV role, but you've got currently Grant and Ezra as both versions of the Flash. It's the only example I can think of as to where the same character is being used twice because you've got all the Robins obviously in Titans. So maybe they wanted to use something different. I, I don't know. I guess it just... It seems but you like could have a... used Damien, like you said, because they aren't using yeah. that character anywhere yet. And Damien... If you're talking about somebody that thinks it's a good idea to unite the children of the villains of Gotham, Damien would be the obvious choice to do that. Next, yeah, he's a little rebel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you have a character right there you could have touched, unless they're not being allowed to use Damien, possibly. That's but a possibility, yeah. It's a really odd decision to invent a character for it, if that is the case. But, I mean, those descriptions, I think, came from Variety. So, I mean, it wasn't like they were on some sort of fan site. They were, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's weird that that's where they've decided to go to. But, you know, I mean, we'll see. As I say, that is only a pilot right now, so it may not go anywhere. Given the state of the CW as well, I mean, they're being fairly cautious. So it may not go anywhere. It may get moved to HBO Max. It may not get made at all after the pilot. But we'll we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, that's Gotham Knights anyway. So that's all the news for this week. Just some time for some highlights for next week on TV. So speaking of superheroes, next week's pretty good for superhero stuff. We have uh, mm. Moon Knight starting on the 30th of March. That's on Wednesday. That is on Disney+. Plus. That will be the first appearance of Moonlight. I'm very much looking forward to this. The clips for that show look really, really good. I'm really excited for this. Really, really excited. Yeah, looks like it's going to be really fun, that show. Legends of Tomorrow also returns. Flash is back this week as well, but that's on Tuesday and we go out on Tuesday, so we announced that last week. Legends of Tomorrow going out on Wednesday that's for its seventh season that's at 8pm on Sky Max there is a show called Professionals which starts on 5 Action that's also on Wednesday that's at 9pm that is the 30th of March and this is the show we mentioned a few weeks ago stars Brendan Fraser and Tom Welling in it It, after their advanced medical satellite explodes on deployment billionaire futurist Peter Swan played by Brendan Fraser and his fiance medical visionary Grace Davila played by Elena Ayana turn to a hardened former counterintelligence officer to help them out who's played by Tom Welling. That's got quite a good cast to it but uh, that's called Professionals that's on 5 Action which is the channel that was formerly known as the Paramount Network and they changed their name because of the Paramount Plus launch that's 30th of March at 9pm that lands on 5 Action also starting Hacks that is coming to Prime Video that's on the 1st of April this looks like it's going to be really good it's Gene Smart Uh, it's got a whole bunch of awards under its belt already to salvage her waning career legendary Las Vegas comedian Deborah Vance is for to team up with an entitled outcast television writer with this hilariously dark comedy series. As I say, it's got a huge bunch of awards already, that, so I think that's going to be one to look out for. But that's Hacks, and it's coming to Amazon Prime on the 1st of April. Slow Horses, which is a new Apple TV Plus series that's coming on the 1st of April as well. It's based on a book. It's an espionage drama. stars Gary Oldman in the lead role. Looks like it could be quite fun. So uh, that's called Slow 
Slow Horses, and that's Apple TV Plus on the 1st of April. And Wellington Paranormal is back for its fourth, and I think final season as well. That's Sky Comedy on the 5th of April at 9pm for that. That's all the stuff that's coming over the next week. There's lots of good stuff to get your teeth into there. Mm-hmm. If they want to find more about you, where can they find you, Matt? You can find my reviews and discussion podcasts and whatnot over on entertainmenttalk.org and you can find us by searching for that name on your favourite podcast platform. I've done a lot of film reviews recently. Windfall, which is another Netflix film that I didn't even know about until it was on the platform. <laughs> uh, but I really enjoyed that. I reviewed Turning Red, which was really, yes. really good as well. The Adam Project, which was really fun with Ryan Reynolds. So I've really enjoyed a lot of Ryan Reynolds films in the last year or so. So it was really good. Uh, me and David are still doing Walking Dead. are still doing a lot of gaming talk stuff. Did a couple of discussion podcasts recently about Call of Duty's future and past and stuff. And uh, we'll talk about Hogwarts Legacy. What's going on with that? Be a whole bunch of things happening over there with the podcast. Uh, TV, games, films and May United podcast, basically. Um, if you're wondering where the United cast has gone, it's because we haven't played for two and a half weeks because right. we are not in the FA Cup because we got knocked out of it. Um, so there's that. You can find me on Twitch as well if you want to and uh, eTalk UK if you click on the schedule tab which is on the on the profile you can see when I'm going to go live uh, if you miss any of those or you want to see the cod clips and stuff which I upload as a YouTube channel which is called Entertainment Talk Plays but uh, plenty of stuff to uh, get listening to over all those platforms so that's me so go and find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org and all those other places for other people involved in the show you can find Bex at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes that's B-Y-T-E-S for lots of uh, streaming daily and retro gaming and just chatting streams and lots of other fun stuff over there it's always fun to go and sit and watch Bex so uh, go and check her out on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites and for Daryl you can go over to hollywoodnorthnews.net for lots of shows which are filmed and shot in Canada and he's got a few interviews and stuff up there as well now so uh, go and check him out over there for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.